Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Happy New Year, Rebecca. Welcome to 2022. Season three of COVID. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> terrible, terrible opener. No, we're gonna... <laughs> I mean, it is dark to, to imagine. Like, I was thinking, like, what would I have thought last year when I had my New Year's? We, ha- we, we had, a, like, a small gathering outside. It was literally, you know... Yeah. sub-zero temps we were all just really bundled mm-hmm. we we're like okay trying to do it be as safe as possible you still want to see some people right and then i like if you had told me in that moment like the cdc on says you, one year from now <laughs> <laughs> one year from now america will record one million cases in a single day i want to say quickly i don't know why this has been probably no one has like thought about this but me but um i did feel bad because our last episode of 2021 we were with evelyn our friend. And we were like kind of joking about Omicron, but we also recorded that like a week, but like it all happened so fast and we recorded it like a week before we released it. And anyways, it was obviously not right. something to be it's, joking yeah, about. Well, COVID is, <laughs> yes, COVID is serious, but you know, we just, I don't know, we make, we make light of things that are, are dark to distract us from those realities. That's right. Well, um, we hope everybody out there is safe getting boosted. Mm-hmm. And how was your holiday season, Mikey? What did you do? I saw I saw family. I Fun. sat next to someone who had COVID all of Christmas Day, but no I did way. not have it. I oh, did okay. not get it because I was boosted and it was outside. Okay. The person hosting very um Safe you know gathering pre- presciently. Well, it's not pressure. I mean, they they listen to guidance, you know, right. obviously, you know, everything is safer outside. So we were outside and, and no one got um, it in your, and no one, no one got it in my Wonderful. family. We were all oh, fine. So glad. And, you know, holidays was a lot of scrambling to find at home COVID tests. Cause they would just, New York is crazy, but sure. Um, yeah. I mean, that's good. Point, you were like, all still able to get together yeah, every, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and now I'm back here, but you know, first week classes were on zoom. Um, oh, were they? Yeah. 
So is that like there's that so PTSD? Uh, it was like. disgusting. I mean, my kids were just they looked miserable, poor things. Oh, I felt so um, bad. Is it, are you yeah. back in studio now? I, I guess it's only been one week. What back am I in studio about? on Monday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Today is Friday, January seventh. Oh, for those of you listening, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. we're gonna release it later, but it's been a slow, <laughs> slow start to the year. That's why I was like, but what I happened think... the other weeks? <laughs> it's like yeah. only been one, <laughs> <laughs> January seventh. Um, but I did get good news that um, University of Southern California, where I am going to stage um, three sections from rodeo, we're moving ahead. So I thought perhaps it would be delayed or, you know, God forbid canceled, Mm -hmm. but we're all good to go. So that's great. That's really good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, So things will continue. Yeah. We're we're moving on before we move into the episode. um, We wanted to bring up um, something um, for our listeners to know about someone who is very dear to our hearts and something they're going through. That's um, Giovanni Furlan, who has been a friend of ours for over a decade now. And, um, is experiencing a, a family crisis and needs all of our help. Yeah. So he's a um, friend of the pod. We've had him on before, former principal with Miami City Ballet. So we dance with him. He's a soloist now with the New York City Ballet. And so we know we have a lot of listeners um, from both realms of the ballet. Um, so we just wanted to um, help him in any way we could by sharing um, what he's going through and, and asking, um, maybe if you guys can help us, uh, spread the word about that. So, um, his mother has suffered cardiac arrest and she is now in a medically induced coma. And, um, Giovanni has put together a GoFundMe, um, to help his family with the great expenses that, um, are coming their way. And so, we don't want to say much more than that. We want Giovanni's words to kind of explain what's going on. So there's a GoFundMe page that we have linked in the description of this episode, and we will uh, link to on social media um, so that you guys can see more, read more. All right. So we, we love Giovanni and we're sending yeah. him all of our best yeah. and anything you can do to help out. I'm sure he will appreciate, he and his yeah. family will appreciate greatly. And we know times are tough for everyone and if you, if that touches your heart or you know him, or you just love the ballet and want to help a dancer in need, we hope that you will either consider looking into it or maybe share it with people who would be interested in it. So we love you, Giovanni, sending you love. Um, so uh, getting into the episode now, we wanted to go through um, some of the interesting things that uh, our former guests have um, been doing or accolades they've been receiving as um uh we wanted to bring up adriana pierce who uh was listed as 25 to watch and i just i mean we love adriana we've been very close to her for about a decade now mm-hmm. and oh uh God. yeah when you, when you say yeah. things like that i'm like ah i love so to long. drop the time the time love a decade um, love to say a decade yeah so yeah yeah even longer adriana joined in 2010 i think yeah so 12 years now we work Adriana. Adriana love you and I just think it's such a, a beautiful thing um Adriana has always had a strong interest in choreography and um you know tried to f- um find time while she was um at a in a full-time job at a ballet company to explore outlets for that creativity like that 
um, talent and um, gift that she has. Uh, so she's just been at it. And, you know, she was, you know, I've had lots of long conversations with Adriana about like what, what a good, um, like what steps to take in order to pursue this and, and how to remain um, motivated and not get discouraged when, um, you know, like little, uh, just as any dancer has, you know, a choreographer has disappointments or, you know, is overlooked or whatever. And mm. so to see her achieving this, um, you know, like this moment of recognition is so mm. satisfying because she's, mm-hmm. you know, not, not that she's been waiting for it for as long as I've known her, but like, she's been working towards it for as long as I've known her. So, um, and I think especially it's a really good reminder that like, if you create art about what, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and what is a part of you, then people will respond to it. And it's so cool too, because she, you know, wanted to have her career as a dancer. So she did that. She wanted to be on Broadway and then she got to do that. And so, it feels like this is like her logical next step and it's so mm. thrilling that it's coming to fruition and it's starting. And um, so check out her website because I designed it with her. <laughs> it's yes. queertheballet.com. And so I hope that you guys will check it out. What she's doing is really cool. There's videos on there. There's photos. Um, there's information about future performances, which may be changing due to everything that's happening, COVID, but right. um, you can sign up uh, for her email list and stay in touch with what she's doing. And so we're, yeah, we will that? absolutely try to keep you abreast of um, information regarding queer, the ballet, which um, is a project we're hugely supportive of and excited for. And we, we love you, Adriana. We're so happy um, that you've, you've um, achieved this level of recognition, cool recognition that you so I deserve. love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So awesome. Uh, moving on. Oh, I, so this was something that happened. I was visiting our friend, Holly, former dance with Miami city ballet and Pennsylvania ballet, um, upstate and, uh, the artist formerly known as Pennsylvania ballet now Philadelphia (laughs) ballet. Um, but there are like real bookstores up there still, What? (laughs) you know, I mean, I went in a Barnes and Noble, like that I was like, talking I was this is so weird I was talking to Helen our friend from Miami City Ballet the other day and we we're talking about something she's like well why don't you like go check it out in a store and I was like a store like I literally had not thought about like I was just sending her links to stuff on Amazon just like don't you want to see it in person <laughs> I was like what it's yeah. so bad anyway well so I was in a bookstore and I well we were looking at kids books for Holly's um, newborn and then I was in the kids section and, and I saw the book Black Ballerinas which is by um, friend of the pod Misty Copeland and I just I, like thumbing through it it was so beautiful um, I I love so it's it's telling an individual every there are I don't know maybe two dozen or so ballerinas mm-hmm. and. Um, every other page is an illustration of them, you know, as a dancer and then um, text telling their individual story. And mm-hmm. I just think it's like, as a, you know, we talk about how much visibility matters and as a child, um, you know, being a, like a young black dancer, like to, to see and sort of dispel the terrible myth that like, you know, black girls don't, dance or or wouldn't be couldn't dance or be on stage um you know or to feel just kind of or even just to like feel connected you know i mean it's still gonna it's getting better but there are i'm sure there are tons of girls black girls across 
the nation that are just the only black girl in their school, right? Right. Sure. Like, you know, I was the only boy for so long. So reading books where I was like, wait, like boys are in ballet. Right. Like that made an effect, yeah. had an impact on me. And I just don't know how much literature there's been for young black girls to be mm-hmm. like, I have the, like, look at all these role models, look at all these women who are amazing and did yeah. it. And, and I just thought it was really beautiful. And to see, yeah, like you look at it and they list all the ballerinas on, on the main page. And you're just like, that is like such an impressive amazing group of right. dancers so it's it's really it's a it's a beautiful book to look at the illustrations are gorgeous but mm-hmm. then also like the impact and meaning behind it i think is really yeah wonderful that's awesome and i think too like even if you know just a little girl is picking that up and not even interested in ballet yet might see that book and be you know and then be like oh i can do this too and be inspired by that and sign up for ballet classes so i love that mm-hmm. so we're gonna um have that included on our COD reading list, which is on our website. So we have compiled some of our favorite, um, you know, must have dance reads as long, um, in addition to, um, books from friends of the pod, because we have so many people now who've written books. It's so cool. So it's kind of like a one-stop resource for all those things. So, um, that's there if you guys want to check it out. Uh, another, uh, project that I wanted to bring up, um, that involves, Four former um, guests of ours, uh, Phil Chan, Gina Peskovin, uh, Harriet Jung, and Daniel Applebaum. Um, so um, we, we've talked to Phil, is it just once? Mm-mm. No, we talked to him twice. At least twice. One time with right. Gina, one time by himself. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so we've we've talked to Phil twice on the pod, and um, you know he's always very clear with what his mission is. And one um, one cool thing that he just did recently, so it was a premiere of Ballet de Porcelaine or the Teapot Prince, and it was at the Met Museum, and it was uh, you know going along with his you know his sort of life's work of um, reframing or like reimagining works that um have racist text and and like keeping keeping what's beautiful about them and then um you know shifting it shifting it and making so making it art that is still um relevant and interesting and doesn't it just like kind of his his whole thing is like you know if the art is good like you don't like anything that needs racist um subtext isn't going to stand like if that's what makes it good then it's just that shouldn't it's not actually good you know, you know he like, wrote something it, interesting on instagram the other day that was saying like finally people are realizing that we're like the opposite of cancellation of like being canceled because right. he doesn't want those ballets to go away he doesn't want right. to cancel them he doesn't want it to be something that's lost forever it's just how can we preserve it and maintain certain aspects of it but just shift it to make mm-hmm. it more now yeah, and it's just I think of, this was a really cool project that I, I wish I had had the chance to see. That certainly the the costumes that Harriet did were gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Gina and Daniel look beautiful, um, but yeah, I, I think it, it's a you know I, I love to see that Phil is able to continue um, uh, bringing this like important work. Yeah. Um, out to the public. And whenever he's on the pod, he always teases cool things that he has coming up. So I feel like he still has a lot. And I think some of it was, um, we know some of it was postponed by COVID. So hopefully some of those things are still um, in the works and will be coming soon. I think we mentioned 
um, on our last podcast about PMBs changing or reimagining that he works yes. with them on the, what is it? Yeah. The, the um, green tea cricket, green tea it's cricket. The, you know, the, formerly the, the Chinese dance, mm-hmm. Chinese tea dance. Um, uh, you know, the, like the most famous example of um, yellow face and like, you know, racial stereotyping mm-hmm. in ballet that again, not necessary. It's like, it, you know, the nutcracker doesn't need a racist trope to still be good. And that's what Phil is, is proving. Is so now there's the, so they've just um, changed that character in the nutcracker. Um, it was highbrow brilliant in the New York uh, approval matrix. That's what I saw. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love that. But yeah. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, Phil, I, I just love what he does. And I, I, I know some, like, I mean, they're not even rumors. Like I know behind the scenes stuff of cool things that's happening that yeah, I just can't mention sure. um we'll but happening <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I'm, I'm excited for it so cool um yeah so that's phil well so we had been talking recently about um several dancers who've been promoted in the past year or so that had done so much repertoire above their rank that by the time they get promoted to that rank it feels like it, it had to have happened years ago where it's not even you're like oh that person wasn't already there, but it seems to be a lot more common nowadays. Like that led to our, our broader conversation of like, why is this happening? Um, Cause it's not just in one place. It's kind of seeming to be more common just about everywhere. Promotions see, almost come. There's they're like after the workload. Yeah. I mean, not that they should come before, but it used to feel like it would happen like pretty uh, like obviously know. immediately like now yeah when promotions happen they're um they bore me like they're not exciting because um you know it's just like this person has been dancing as this role yeah, for so long for so long i can't think of the last time where it was like you know okay someone like freshly doing like a lot of soloist parts and, and then at the end of the year that it happens for them you know it's like I, mean, I can remember ones but it was at the beginning of our career like it yeah. was a long time ago that that would happen like or that you would see i don't know i felt like with certain people you've seen like a track that makes sense and then sometimes right. there's like we you think the track is happening and then it's not happening and then it comes back and then it's not happening and right. we're not talking about any specific company in general it's just like you know yeah well it's, I, well, I think it's pervasive yeah right I don't that's know. the thing i don't know there's a lot of it's, examples it i can think kind of be yeah i can think of it in a lot of different companies yeah right so it's like you know yeah there used to occasionally be like uh sort of like um uh like a performance recognition that would happen like in a senior right. senior dancer but you know someone would be like a thank you for your service promotion but now mm-hmm. they all kind of seem that way it's just like right and now you're 30. Here's the promotion you could have had five years ago. So, you know, I just and I just I, think of people like in other generations from us when they would retire, like even if they retired as a core member or whatever, they would know many people that they danced with in that time that were now at the rank of principal dancer. And I'm not saying like in the company, like people who are your contemporaries within like that we went to summer courses with or whatever. I don't really feel like I know, like, it doesn't seem right. the same. Like yeah. I can't think of as many people that I'm like, Oh, I dance with them. And now they're a principal somewhere. Right. 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 It's very, very yeah, few used and to, far between. Yeah. Yeah. I think. And yeah, I'm just, 
basically like the crux of our discussion was just that if you do the work, you deserve the promotion. We're very, mm-hmm. we're pro promotions. Like yes. the thing is, I don't want to get it twisted and be like, maybe some of what is not a bad thing is like people are getting opportunities later. Like, um, which a lot of our guests have told us has been really great for them in a lot of ways, because right. then they're more mature dancers and can approach right. it differently, you know. I'm not saying everyone should do theme and variations at 17 and then get promoted to principal at 18. Right. <laughs> right. I'm I'm just saying, like, if you do the work, you should get the promotion. And it just mm-hmm. seems like now I don't know why ballet companies are more comfortable waiting and waiting. And so you know maybe I, some of it's COVID or I don't know. Sorry, go on. Well, well, one thing I wonder is, um, and we kind of like when we would do contract negotiations um at Miami City Ballet. We were, I was a company representative, which is equal to a union rep, but Miami City Valley is not a union company. And when we would, one of the things we would do is like read the contracts from other companies in the country. So we were really familiar with um, what they were all doing. Ones that were like our size had our similar budget. And a lot of, there would be a lot of, and you know, each one's different, but we would see certain stipulations that like, once you're a soloist, you can only dance X number of core roles per year or like whatever, you know, like there were rules or like you couldn't do, you know, snow and flowers anywhere in Nutcracker. So then it, it kind of felt like in some ways that sort of made, you know, kind of tied the director's hands in a way, like, because if they were going to need, you know, if something happened, someone got sick and they needed a soloist to do core stuff, for example, that maybe that was something that prevented it. I don't know. That was just one thing I kind of wondered if that was ever a contributing factor as those contracts kind of evolved over time. Well, actually, you know, what's interesting. This is an interesting exercise. Okay. Just like, I would, I would be curious to, and I, I think I've seen this in some companies just to look at what's the percentage when, when mm. about 20 years ago or 15 years ago, it was 50, 50, like about that in almost every company. Wait, 50, 50. You mean what? Like, sorry. Um, upper rank and lower rank. Gotcha. Like it was evenly so 50, divided soloist and above versus soloist and above and, and then core and below. Right. Yeah. And now I feel like it's really shifted to like mm, 67, 33. <laughs> I not, I have not done the field work on this, but I, that was so I might, and I liked it. <laughs> well, <laughs> one third, not 75. Yeah. Uh, That's where I was going to go with it, but it is wild. And and it can also, also, it kind of varies from company too, which is also really interesting mm-hmm. too. We did that at one point. We did some investigations. Yeah. And um, that's what I remember from our previous. It wasn't uh, that long ago. It's 10 years at least. Years. No, that and we, no, we looked at it recently, Mikey. Recently we did? Uh-huh. My memory. Mm-hmm. Oh, my, my Swiss Not cheese. 10 years ago. We were retired. No, but I, I did. Now. No, I did look. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But I did look uh, like I remember looking when I was younger. Yeah. I mean, now my curiosity has peaked and I I will look. Well, and I think we, you know, we think of this too. I mean, I'm not saying I should have been a ranked dancer. That's not what I'm saying here. But I'm saying that when you retire as a core dancer versus retiring as a principal and have that on your resume, it uh, presents different opportunities to you after your career. So, you know, if you are someone who really did have a lot of opportunities and then, you know, if you didn't get that recognition, it's something that, you know, like it makes, it does make a difference even just going forward in your life and that right. recognition and accolades, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. And a lot of, I mean, a lot of places I've heard of directors that say they don't, they only want rehearsal directors um, that uh, were, ranked. were ranked. Yeah. I, I think of a specific director and I'm just like, 
I mean, this is one thing, Justin Beck and I have talked about this because Justin is very, he's adamantly opposed to that idea. I love it. Yeah. Um, He's like, that's just so foolish. Like how many directors were Academy Award winning you know, actors. Oh, okay. It's a very, he's like, you never, so like for some reason in our industry. But it's, it's the same with artistic directors. Yeah. It's this pervasive thought that like you had to be a great dancer to then do anything else. It's like that it makes, that's total nonsense. makes no sense. You don't th- see that in any other so um, right. industry. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that goes, I think I learned that lesson when I was a kid with teachers. Like mm-hmm. we would get these teachers that would come in. Like it was like, oh, this person was a per- principal dancer I'm like they're a terrible teacher like you could just tell like you weren't getting any no you weren't uh-huh. getting anything from it. it was a boring class they didn't know you know and then some of my favorite teachers that I learned the most from didn't have these glorified careers in the same way but just were like exceptional teachers because they had that mind for it you know so yeah I so agree with that and then just to shift to like another topic that we were gonna touch on today Cause I do wonder how much, um, social media plays a role just in general in our world now. And this is something that you and I have kind of talked about a lot and I'm sort of wanted to touch on it and see if we could reframe it a little bit, because just because I do social media as my real job, um, I think that there's a lot of ways to look at kind of like what's going on in the shift that's happening in the way we're seeing dance on social media, on Instagram, I think that, you know, during the pandemic, TikTok appeared and started to take over. Instagram as a business felt very threatened and tried mm-hmm. to see if they could adopt TikTok and like get TikTok users to stay on Instagram or to create the same kind of content on Instagram. So in terms of the algorithm, the only thing as a dancer, as a company, as a business the only way you're going to get seen is if you're posting reels, which is like the equivalent to a TikTok. And the algorithm loves when your face is in it. They love when you're talking. They love when you're dancing, but like close up on your face. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something that like you have to do. Like if you want eyes on your content, you have to be doing that. And I just wonder, it's so interesting to see that Instagram is just forcing all businesses and all people <laughs> to like shift the way they're doing social media. I don't know. Right. And I just wonder how it's affecting life is what I wonder. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, I think TikTok can be a positive. I mean, I f- certainly find TikTok to be a positive place. I like, I enjoy, I could, you know, TikTok is a much more pleasant place to scroll because I feel like, TikTok is about bringing people joy right. and Instagram is about making people envious okay. of your life. You know, but see, that's the thing. I think they're two different things and they should be kept as two different things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I yeah. I, I mean, I find Instagram to be almost unusable now, but TikTok, it can be fun, but I, then it's like, it's, um, it's still just contributing to our like 15 second society. It's like, yes. I mean, it's like the Andy Warhol thing, but we're down to 15 seconds of fame rather than minutes. It's, uh, you know, right. It's like, because you can, I mean, I remember, oh, my kids um, in one of the schools I was teaching at last year, they did a TikTok and it was, 
it started blowing up in a way that, you know, it's like they probably have all their notifications on or whatever. Right. And they were just like getting like thousands and thousands of clicks or whatever. I don't yeah. know what people, you know, <laughs> I don't know, old, but, uh, <laughs> and like the way, I mean, of course it was like, what, like they were all just getting these like little like endorphin rushes and they were so excited, but I'm like, I don't know if that's like good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's fun as a creative outlet, but like it does teach you again, as we've been, you know, dealing with since the advent of social media that like likes and clicks and views are a a reward to strive for. Right. And I think that also it's like, you know, many turns are like, I don't know. And like one thing you and I have sent back and forth to each other is like, something super random. Like, I don't even know who this person is, but there's someone that's like clearly a student that's posting things like tips for doing this and like increasing your strength and like stretching your ankle. And it's clearly like a young girl. I have no idea who it is. No, like hate on them. Like, but again, what I'm saying is like the algorithm and that feeling of that 15 minutes of 15 seconds of fame, like drives it. And so then it's like, We've seen the exercises are not what you should be doing, but has many, many views and people are probably doing that. Oh my God. I mean, we are jo- we've been joking with Kate Penner. Who we Shout love. out to Kate. Shout out to Kate about like <clears throat> how I'm just going to start doing these exercises all the time. And then <laughs> I can check. But you're in developing. Hi. I can check in with Kate to see if they're working. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, it's a, it's a worry. And I think too, I understand why dancers are doing it like they there's so many opportunities involved there are ways that you can plan for your future after dancing by you know in, and the only way to increase your number of followers is to post 15 second things that are going to blow up and go viral yeah. and by going viral it's doing these trends it's doing like whatever like all this stuff that just is not necessarily posting like them as it depends, you know, it just like they, it might not be what they would post normally in order to right. grow their social media presence. Cause I, I know that there is zero way to grow your social media or your Instagram right now, unless you Without are reasons. doing that stuff. And like, I, you know, I do, um, dimensions dance theater of Miami social media, and we've had great success with reels by posting just like clips of ballets and rehearsals, but in a reels format, but we're never going to go viral, but we've gotten just because we don't do the trends and whatever. Cause I, yeah, but I, it's an organization. Okay. That's what I'm saying is like, I don't like, I don't, I think that Instagram, but I, you know, I love what you do on dimensions account. Oh, like nice. they, like, like it is fun. It's still enticing to me to see like a 15 second clip of a ballet rehearsal. And like, yeah. it's not like you don't post the things I, I'm not opposed at all. Like to seeing someone do 10 pirouettes. No, like I, that's but fun. You have to throw it in there. Cause then yeah. that's the stuff. No, that and I, I'm saying it's not like you don't know? post that, but it's like it, when you do that, it's like, Oh fun. It's not like, mm-hmm. no, it's like, that's just a part of, of everyday ballet life versus like a gross, like grab for. Right. Flights. And I never asked them to do it. I'm never like asking any of the dancers, like, there have been like a couple of times where I've done a few things like that, where I want like the boys to do some tricks or something, but uh-huh. only when there's something like really important going on that we need eyes on. But like, generally it's something that's like from one of their rehearsals. And I have a great dancer that I work with. that's in the company and he is so great to give me 
stuff that he knows will be enticing and interesting um, for social media. And sometimes like the dancers post stuff that I think is so cute and funny and I love it. And it's part of like the trends, but I just like, as you know, as an organization, I just don't, I think it's great what the dancers are doing. I don't judge it at all. It's perfect for them. And then I just like, as the organization then wouldn't, but see, that's where it kind of gets confusing though, because if I were to post that we would get a lot of eyes on what the company is doing. So it is, it's like this really, it's very frustrating for me in that position. And I'm sure for social media managers everywhere Right. to kind of like have this conundrum of like, how do you keep who you are and keep your business and keep your professionalism Mm-hmm. but still have to like play into the way the rules that Instagram is making. Right. Yeah. It's making. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not even that I, w- I was thinking, I was like, how do you maintain like a level of class or like sophistication? And it's not mm-hmm. like these things are, I wouldn't, I don't, I'm not saying they're like unsophisticated. It's just like so casual. Casual. That's what I was going to say. That, yeah. That it's just like, it feels so at odds with a ballet company's look or. Right. And I just don't know, like, at the risk of sounding like a cranky old person, you know, this whole I conversation, maybe. I, yeah. But I just don't know. <laughs> I just don't know that it, it gels. Like I'm all for like taking down some of the barriers that I've been up, like the mystery of like not knowing who a dancer is or like what we do. And it's just like, right. um, you know, what you see on the stage and that's it. We can demystify some, but like not to a point where like, I don't know. I don't, the challenges don't do it for me in a business's context. Exactly. Like exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. See, that's I, I the think thing. they're so fun on a dancer's personal page. That's right. your life. Well, I think what kind of brought this to mind for me and like, and you and I were kind of communicating about it through, through Nutcracker season, because really it was the first time that like, since TikTok really came around essentially, or became a big part of our culture, this was the first time that like most companies were really performing. So it was interesting to see how they were trying to navigate kind of what to do with right. it. Um, and yeah. so, but and you I, know that the people ones leaned in really, yeah, they leaned in really aggressively and others didn't. Yeah. yeah. And the ones that were goofy and hysterical were the ones that got great views, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, and then it's just a question of, I just like, that's the thing. I, it's not anyone's fault. It's Instagram's right. fault. And it just like, it's, it's just such a conundrum to figure out because you really just need these, you need these social media outlets to promote your brand and right. the the company and sell tickets, you know? Right. And that's what I'd be curious to know. I want to see the data, like how many people click through on the link, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I've had a dimensions thing, like a real go pretty viral, which I think is, I mean, you know, for us, we have 4,600 followers. And I think, let me, I'm looking now, the most viral we've had is like 129,000 views. Pretty good. On a reel, which is pretty good. It was really, we got tons of new followers from it. Yeah. Um, Lots of comments. It was really great, but it didn't translate to link clicks and ticket sales on that particular thing like things that are, you know, that are smaller to our more niche audience tend to do that. But that's why you kind of have to have that balance of like something that has a broad reach, because also I look at it for this, like we got tons of followers of younger dancers. And so they could someday be in the company or be interested in auditioning for the company, you know? So there's many different reasons to be maintaining a social media presence for companies and why you need to continue to grow it, not just making money, you know? Right, right, right. Definitely. 
Yeah. Anyways, all all food for thought, but you know, I just wanted to share my frustrations with you, Michael. Yeah, I mean, we didn't really. All we did was complain. <laughs> all we did was complain. This complain whole episode. Well, no, we, no, yeah. I mean, we started by celebrating our our guests. That's right. That's I, right. You know, as always, like our a lot our guests are always up to new and exciting things. So but then cool. we did. But then we were just like. Promote your dances. Get off the Don TikTok. (laughs) No, I don't want people to get off the TikTok. That's not what I mean. No, no, no. I know. I know. But I just like, I, I I find it interesting to see how it's going to continue to, because there's got to be a drop off point where people are kind of like, like Instagram kind of levels out again and people can kind of do their own thing again. So I just like, I'm wondering how much of it will actually stick and stay and how it will continue to evolve, you know? Well, just we could end on a positive note by discussing next week's podcast guest because mm-hmm. it, we, we, it would have been a while, you know, holiday break and whatever. We haven't had a live person on that isn't us or Evelyn as our, as our yeah. re- <laughs> reputed. Uh, our, she doesn't count. Reputed. She's a co-host. Yeah. We have Robert LaFosse and, um, you know, Rebecca and I were both, we were both so excited That's for so his presence on the pod, but it, I mean, it really, to me, it just exceeded everything. I mean, what a career. Oh my gosh. I mean, it really is just all over the place in all, like, you know, anyone might have any in one of those dreams and he got to live them all, you know, mm-hmm. he was in American Ballet Theater while Brishnikov was the, the greatest dancer in the world, um, you know, running the company. He was in New York City Ballet, danced with, you know, did not get to work with Balanchine, but danced with all of Balanchine's ballerinas, and then is just up on Broadway getting a Tony nomination, working with Jerry Robbins, and now teaching in wonderful places. Yeah, there were yeah. so many things that we could have mined even so much more with him, and I think it was about an hour and a half. <laughs> I know we got to get him back on. I so really, could have done more. So I mean, we love to we love to start our year off with a bang. I mean, last and, year we had Gloria Govern, and it was amazing, yes. and now we have we have Robbie, and it was great. And we were. I had an hour long meeting before this and we were looking at our upcoming guests and we have some good stuff yes. in that pipeline. Yeah. I'm very excited. Got a lot of good, good stuff. 2022 going. Some, some of the people who are on the list don't know they're on the list yet. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's as soon as we get off this pod. <laughs> people. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> so hopefully they'll come on. Yeah. Um, but no, we have um, lots and lots of good stuff to come and you know, we're here for you guys. We're all in this together. Yeah. I mean, as usual, just like you can always feel free to shoot us a DM or a, an email. We've gotten so a, many good ones recently of great suggestions. Yeah. Too. I guess and, requests. Yeah. I mean, what was fun, uh, Robert LaFosse, as, as soon as we ended, he gave us a suggestion and an email. He did. And an email so, us. you know, if you know someone that you think would be great on the pod, just let us know. If you know someone, say it, something. Yeah, and, and no. if, yeah, yeah. If you, say something, say something. If you have an email, even better. So yes, yeah, yeah. We do love an email. We'll DM. Sometimes we get lost in DMs. Yeah. We love an email. All right. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Oh my gosh, thank you, you, Michael. See you Bye. next week. All right. We'll be back. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.